Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This week is Parshas Kisavo, and we're going to talk about the halachas of proper dress for brachas and tefillah. And in truth, we began this subject two weeks ago when we spoke about the halachas of making a bracha or davening when there is a diaper in the room. And we took a break for our Shavas Aveda. And this week, we'll hopefully now learn the second half of that topic, learn about making a bracha with oneself wearing proper attire and in front of someone who's not dressed appropriately, what halacha is. And next week in Rit Hashem, I hope we will discuss the halachas of Rosh Hashanah and Sarah uh, Shem So in this topic, there are two independent halachas which I'd like to clarify. There's a pasuk in the Torah, Ki Hashem Aleichecha Mishalech B'Kerev Machanecha Hashem Aleichecha travels within our dwelling place Loi Yeroya B'Cha Ervas Dover and therefore it should not be seen in you something or someone unclothed. Now the beginning of the Pasuk that Hashem travels among us is referring to when we daven or make a bracha and say Hashem's name then Hashem travels among us. And that, therefore, the Pasuk warns us of having something uncovered in our presence when we're doing that. So this Pasuk is the source for the Isra Dairaisa of saying a Dabr Shabbat saying Brachis or Tefillah, Shema, or Hashem's name, when in view of parts of the body which need to be covered. That's one halacha. And soon we'll learn the applications of this halacha by oneself, one's children, the difference between man and woman, and so on. Now, there's another independent halacha, which is learned from here as well, unrelated to the previous one. That halacha is that your heart can't see your private parts. So th- this is an Isser Drabana, actually, learned from this Pasik because it's hinted to it, because the heart, our, our hearts can also see in a figurative way. So we say, means your heart shouldn't see so this halacha means that we can't make a bracha unless there's something dividing our heart from our lower extremities. This is called libay roya esha And this halacha is, is the same for men and women, although sometimes can are more lenient for women. So for example, if someone is wearing a robe or a nightgown, so you can be fully covered in that way, till the floor, a robe or a nightgown, but if you're not wearing underwear or, and there's nothing, you're not wearing a belt, so you can't make a bracha because although everything is covered, there's nothing dividing the waist from the heart. And in order to make a bracha, one would need to tie a belt or put on underwear, obviously. And another option is to hug yourself with your arms situated between the heart and the waist a position which you might be familiar with from making a bracha in the mikvah. As a side note, once we're on that topic, some people adopt that position of hugging themselves, but they hold their arms like near their shoulders. And ideally, it should actually be lower. You should be hugging yourself around the stomach area so that it divides the heart from the waist. Another application of this is if someone's under a cover but not closed. So in order to say shema or make a bracha, we would have to press the cover in between the heart and the waist 
so that we can divide the heart from the waist. That's so should be libay reyes That's one halacha which is an isidra banan, and it's its own self-standing halacha. Now, the first halacha which I had mentioned, which is the isidra is not to make a bracha when facing an uncovered body part. So let's begin with one's own body. The halacha only applies to below the waist for a person to themselves, both by men and women. And that's the only part that is usher when a person is making a bracha just in front of himself. So it needs to be covered. Below, you have to be covered below the waist, either by clothing or any cloth. And actually, immersion in water, even clear water, helps, like is done by the mikvah. So that's why you can make a bracha when you're in the mikvah, because your body is covered. All you need to do is, so you don't have a problem of as far as gilui, that it's uncovered, because you're in water. You just need to divide the heart from the waist. The, uh, though, you should not look at that part of the body when making the bracha. And once, regardless, the part of the body below the waist is covered with anything, you can make a bracha. So therefore, it's no problem to make a bracha in a bathing suit because that part of the body is covered. However, davening Shvanesre has a different halacha. We can't stand in front of Hashem without proper attire. So Damashman Esri requires that we be fully clothed and respectable. That's its own halacha. Um, if you are facing someone who, you, you're, let's say you're totally dressed, but you're facing someone who is totally unclothed, whether it's a man or a woman or, or even a child, beginning at age nine for a boy and age three for a girl, we can't make a bracha. It doesn't help to close your eyes. That's not sufficient. The only option is to turn away, and not just the head, but the body as well. You actually have to twist. Now, if the person who's unclothed is not directly in front of us, but rather behind the glass, like you're looking through a window and you see someone unclothed, then closing eyes is sufficient because they're like in a different place. But if you're in the same room and you're looking at a child who's unclothed, a boy who's over nine or a girl who's over three, um, you can't make a bracha unless you turn away. Now, if a person, the person that you're looking at is clothed waist down, but other parts of the body are uncovered. So then it depends. If you're looking at a man, that's not a problem. If you're looking at a woman, so then it depends who's looking. If a man is facing a woman who isn't totally covered, he can't make a bracha even if it is his wife. And when I say totally covered, I mean the torso, arms up till the elbow, and legs up to the knees. The socks aren't important, but uh, that you know the the the, ba- the main rules of tzniyus of uh, knees and elbows and knees apply. We'll discuss here in a minute. There is some discussion about how much above the elbow or the knee is a halachic problem of bracha when a man is facing his wife. But to keep things simple. Whenever a woman isn't fully clothed in a tzniyus above-mentioned manner, the man should turn away before making a bracha. And this can be complicated in a public place where there are people all over the place who are not attired with tzniyus. Where do you turn? So truly what a man has to do is to find a wall or space that has no woman in line of sight and turn in that direction to make a bracha. In an airplane, one can face forward to the seat directly in front of them. If the man finds a window, he can face the window, and then closing your eyes is sufficient, as mentioned earlier. Now, this is only for a man looking at a woman, but a woman who's facing another woman, 
who's not clothed properly, it's much more lenient. Because we hold that there's no difference between a woman herself and another woman, and therefore a woman can make a bracha as long as they are covered from the waist down and the person that you're looking at is covered from the waist down. So therefore you can make a bracha um, by the swimming pool, even with other women around. This is the halacha for Ashkenazim. Sfaradim, however, might have a more stringent approach to this and hold that even for a woman, looking at another woman is a problem. With regard to here, a man can't make a bracha if he's facing a married woman's here, even his own wife, and even though it's at home when she doesn't usually cover her here in the house. And regarding a bracha, you do have to turn away. Uh, Non-Jewish women, on their uncovered hair is obviously not a problem. But if you have guests who aren't covering their hair, they're Jewish, it's a big question among contemporary Paiskim how to approach this. And that's something that should be discussed with the Rav. If a woman is singing, and, and it, uh, also a man, even the husband, may not make a bracha as well. So to summarize, the halacha of libera sa'arva means that you may have to make a division in between your heart and your waist. Then there is another halacha that a woman for herself or facing another woman, all that needs to be covered is waist down. And as long as that's covered, you can make a bracha or even if you were looking at someone else, that other person can make a bracha. But if they're uncovered, man or woman, uh, man, boy from nine years old and girl from three years old, it's usher to make a bracha without totally turning to the side. Closing eyes is not enough. And for a man who's looking, who's facing a woman, if the woman is not properly dressed, uh, meaning she's not dressed sneezing and above the knees or above the elbows, is a problem, and you can't make a bracha without turning away. And as far as here, typically a, a man can't make a bracha when facing uncovered here, even his own wife. All these halachas, again, are even his own wife. Whereas if it's a non-Jew, that's, uh, the here is not a problem by a non-Jew. And as far as other Jews who don't cover their here, that's something that needs to be discussed with the rough. The first mitzvah in this week's parasha is the mitzvah of bringing Bikurim. This was a mitzvah performed once a year, and it, in essence, is a simple mitzvah. It's to take the first ripened fruit of the Shiva Saminim and bring it to the Beis HaMikdash, where you give it to the Kayhain. It's technically one of the presents that we give to a Kayhain. We give the Kayhain to Ruma, we give Chala, we give him Pidyan Haben. There's all different kinds of things. We give a kain, and this is one of them. However, this mitzvah was performed with much more pomp and grandeur than the other mitzvahs. The Mishnah in the Masechta dedicated to this topic describes the whole process in detail. First of all, there was a process of choosing your fruit. In all other gifts of harvest, like truma, we, we don't give it to the kain until everything is done. It's been fully harvested, it's been processed, it's been brought into storage. Then we give, take off some and give it to the kain. But here, we choose the bikurim even before it's fully ripened. And this is to demonstrate the excitement to perform this mitzvah. We didn't wait. As soon as it was possible to choose it, we did, and we pronounced the bikurim. Once people had chosen their bikurim, and, and most people's fruits had ripened, and been picked, they started the process of bringing it to the Beis HaMikdash. Now, this was not done alone. This was a group thing. Everybody gathered from their respective towns, villages, homesteads, 
to one designated city for each person, each one's area or county, all the Bikurim bringers would gather and sleep in the streets. Uh, it was brought after Shavuos typically, so the, the weather was good. And they did this to avoid becoming inadvertently tummy. But we can imagine the scene of hundreds of people sleeping in the streets waiting to do this mitzvah. Think, lahavdol elaf alfei avdalas of the way people sleep in the streets online to a concert. People used to do that to just get a, gl- a chance to get a glimpse of a gadol. Rabbi Kiva Eger Zatal writes in a famous letter to his son how the people, I believe, of the city of, of Krakow slept in the streets to just get a good position to welcome him into their city. And incidentally, he writes to his son, Mishnah The Mishnah in Pirkei Avis didn't get affected at all, meaning the Mishnah says, ma'oid, ma'oid, ruach, Be humble to the extreme. He said that Mishnah didn't move out of its place. He didn't allow this whole thing to affect him or move him at all. So they all slept in the streets doing this mitzvah together. Then they all got up in the morning. The leader announced, Let's get up and travel to Hashem, to Tzion, to Yerushalayim. That as they traveled, the procession had instruments playing, accompanying them. And they sang Shira. They said the Pesukim of Tehillim, Samachi Ba'amrim Li Beis Hashem Nelech, and then they said, Aimdais Hayiragleinu Bishorayach Yerushalayim, and so on. And they had a very interesting, uh, I guess, a mascot, who eventually they brought as a carbon, an ox whose horns were plated in gold and was adorned with an olive branch. And that led the procession, procession and there were a number of doves in cages hanging from its sides that were also brought as carbonists. They didn't rush. They only traveled about two-thirds of the day. And as they got closer to Yerushalayim, they sent messengers ahead to notify the Jews there that they were arriving. They then beautified their Bikurim by adding other fruits to the basket to make it a pretty basket. The government officials and the noblemen would come out to greet them. And depending on the size of the procession, that's how many people would come and, and, and greet them. As they walked through Yerushalayim, everybody they passed rose in their honor. Even though people were working, and they were working for someone else, they were required to stop what they were doing and rise and wait for the procession to pass. And more, we'll talk more about this soon. They greeted the people and they said, Our brothers, may you come to Shalom. Then they reached the Harabais. At that point, everybody took their basket and placed it on their shoulders. And you were a king, the Gemara says, or a nobleman. There was no pride here, no haughtiness. You walked just like everybody else. They entered the Beis HaMikdash, and the Levim began to play a special shir for them, and they sang the Pasuk, Arimimcha Hashem Kidili Sanu. They said then all the Pesukim in the Torah, which are known as Vidui Bikurim, and we're very familiar with these Pesukim, actually, because we say a lot of them in the Pesach Haggadah, like Arami, Oyved, Avi, Bayerid, Mitzrayma, and so on, and actually most of the Haggadah comes from these Pesukim, which is an interesting discussion for itself. The Kayin and the owner lifted the basket together, and then the owner placed it near the Mizbeach. He prostrated himself in front of Hashem, and he left. And he couldn't return home yet. He had to sleep in Yerushalayim one night first. So needless to say, this is an amazing part of Yiddishkeit, no less than our Yom Taivim. It was an exciting event. It took probably a week or more with tremendous happiness and kedusha, and we have no remnant at all of it today, but it teaches us how to do mitzvahs. 
When a person said the proclamation that the Torah requires, he was affirming all the foundations of Yiddishkeit, all the Yisaitis. He said, Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. And he described in short the miracles and the kindness of Hashem there. He said Hashem gave us Eretz Yisrael and described the beauty and the bounty of Eretz Yisrael. He then proclaimed, Hashem gave me this fruit. It isn't me. It isn't my effort. It isn't my skill or my talent. And this is a very humbling thing to say out loud in front of everybody. This was my first crop, first ripening fruit that Hashem gave me. Then Hashem promises us, we will rejoice with all the good Hashem gives us, along with the poor people that we'll invite. By having true akar satayv, true recognition of Hashem, gratitude will merit happiness, and that remains true now, as it was then. The only path to happiness is through gratitude, through akar satayv. But let's go back and focus on one interesting point, which we mentioned earlier. So it says that all the workers stood up in their honor and greeted them, although they had to stop working until the procession passed. And the Gemara notes this and asks, isn't it prohibited to stop working when you're working for someone else? You're like causing that person to lose money. You're being paid by the hour. Even if a Talmud Chacham passes by, which is a real Torah obligation to stand up, nevertheless, someone who's on another person's dime, if you're working for someone else, you're not allowed to stand up in his honor. You, you can't steal. So then why is it that we get up for this Bikurim procession? So the Gemara says a fascinating thing. The Gemara says, this is how beloved a mitzvah b'shaita is, a mitzvah performed in its proper time, chaviva mitzvah b'shaita. The Gemara explains we stand up for them and demonstrate how excited we are that this mitzvah is being performed, how much respect we have for them that they came all the way here from their respective towns to do this mitzvah, and how chashav they are we do that so they should continue to come. They shouldn't get discouraged. The language of the Gemara, though, is the most astonishing. The Gemara says that they have to get up for them so as not to cause them to falter in the future, as if to say them not standing up would be equivalent to actively discouraging them. The Sefer Chidusha Halev derives a very important lesson from here. He says, first, this the obvious lesson here is, see how powerful and important it is to give people encouragement. Here they have this tremendous procession with great excitement and beauty. A real Achnas and Sefer Torah-like affair, singing and dancing that went on for days. But they needed to be encouraged even more. They had to see that their brothers respect them for the dedication. They have to see that what they're doing matters and that they're beloved. And that's the necessity and power of encouragement. But the Gemara is telling us even more. He points out, if we are in a position to give a person encouragement, a compliment, a good word, a pat on the back, and we don't, it's actually held against us. If the person then doesn't repeat his good deed or good behavior, it doesn't strengthen himself in Avedis Hashem, we're responsible. We've caused them to falter. That's what Hashem expects from all of us. And this is such a wonderful thing, to be mekabal or strengthen ourselves in during these days of Yom Neiraim. What a schus. To be the one who put in a good word, set a right compliment, that helps someone keep mitzvahs, help them learn Torah, help them act nicely, 
Help them hold their tongue, refrain from Lashon Hara, do chesed, be a part of a program, daven with kavana, you name it. If we can offer words of encouragement, let's grab the chance. And we're required to. That's what we're here for. All those mitzvahs are then tacked up on our account. Everything positive that results from our encouragement is attributed back to us. When Hashem makes the judgment on Rosh Hashanah, this is one of the important things that we know is taken into account. How much did we assist and encourage those around us? And it's our obligation. May we all be zeicha to exceed and Have a good night and a wonderful Shabbos.